You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about politics and pop culture. I'm Yasmin Lomax. And I'm Mike Hahn. And we are your hosts of this monthly politics and pop culture podcast. To kick things off, Micah, how was your month of April 2023? It was good. Um, I think last month when we were recording together in person, we were both like, chill, April is the goal. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think I achieved that goal. Um, and it was really nice. I didn't like go anywhere, just like hung out, cleaned things that needed to be cleaned, ate good food, read some books. It was great. That does sound like the perfect April. I have also tried to channel those vibes. I'm starting a new job in the middle of May and I've had the last two weeks of April off work. And I kind of thought it was going to be really productive, but I think chill took over. I watched 27 episodes of The OC in a week. They're each 45 minutes long. And I got involved in a lot of niche crafts, like upcycling candle containers into my apartment branded matchstick holders and then also doing a lot of baking yeah so it's a it's kind of giving uh the summer between seventh and eighth grade I feel like this is what I did the whole (laughs) summer was just uh watch the OC and do strange crafts but Mm -hmm. it was fun you mentioned you read some books in April do you have any faves I do. One of, I was in kind of a reading slump in March, and one of the books that got me out of that is NSFW by Isabel Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Um, really funny. I like normally bring a book to work and like read it during lunch with no one's around. But this one's not safe for work. Yeah, I, I brought it to work and I was like, should I have this here? Like, I don't know. Um, I think you could totally read it at work um you'd be fine people might just stare at you because the title says otherwise (laughs) um it's about a recent harvard grad who is never named in the book um and she moves it's like totally from her perspective Mm -hmm. um she moves to l back to la where she grew up and decides to pursue a career in tv development um and like has to work her way up through the ranks um and she decides to move back to la even though this means that she's going to be living in the same city as her very uh interesting mother who she has a kind of strained relationship with um her mother is a high profile lawyer who work who's well known for representing women who have experienced sexual violence um and it's a big trigger warning for this book it's a lot about um it's basically a response to the me too movement um and it takes place in like 2015 hollywood so stuff was happening that was not great for women um and i think it's really i have really enjoyed reading and watching post me too media and like the response to that um one that i like a clear one that comes to mind all the time is the assistant which is a movie about um an assistant in a TV and I think in a movie production office. Um, and she about like one day in her life and it's amazing. If but, you've ever worked in New York city, you'll have had to take a sexual harassment, an anti-sexual harassment training at work, mm-hmm. I should say. And it uses a clip from the assistant starring 
Julia Garner, I want to say her yeah. name is, and Mr. Tom Wamsgans from Succession. That's the or Darcy, scene. yes, or Mr. Darcy. That's the scene that I am familiar with. I watched <laughs> the whole movie. It's funny because like that scene really is kind of unique in the movie. The rest of the movie is like kind of slow and like just the process of her day, and like that scene is like kind of jarring in it. Um. But anyways, um, NSFW kind of similar vibes of just uh, being surrounded by misogyny and like a threat of violence and kind of um, the sacrifices women make to make it through and like become successful um, in that environment. Um, But it's not that like it's obviously like intense, but it's not like that heavy like it's a really compellingly written book and like a short read that I like read in a day and a half um and like got me out of a reading slump so it's kind of it balances the tone really well so I would highly recommend that um thought it was an interesting read if it got you out of a reading slump I think I'll have to give it a go because I have been in a very severe one this Mm -hmm. April I read like 11 books in March and then limped through two in April one of my worst months of reading in recent memory but I have just received my copy of Emily Henry's new book Happy Place and I am really excited to Mm -hmm. keep diving in that thankfully in April I did watch a really great show I watched Jury Duty on Amazon Freebie have you seen this Micah have you heard anything about it no and also what's Amazon Freebie very good question. It's essentially a, I guess like a subsection of Amazon Prime. You watch it through the Amazon, like the Prime Video app, mm-hmm. but you have to watch like ads every now and then. Oh, okay. Like yeah. basic Hulu. Kind of, but even though you pay for Amazon Prime, you have to watch this freebie thing. I think it's like a freebie product. It's, it's, it's odd. I don't really understand it. Fascinating. Um, what I did understand was the plot of this show. <laughs> I don't know. So maybe you might have seen TikToks or Reels about this. Mm-hmm. The plot is essentially a real guy named Ronald has answered a Craigslist ad to participate in a documentary about the inside and what it's like to actually do jury duty. Mm-hmm. However, he is the only real person on the jury and everyone else is an actor, including... James Marsden, who plays a very obnoxious version of himself. And due to to some like crazy actions on James Marsden's behalf, the jury ends up sequestered. And we basically have three weeks of all these actors throwing wacky things at Ronald, who handles everything so calmly and so kindly. He's like the loveliest person in the world in the face of the most insane environment. Mm -hmm. Like it will completely blow your mind because- the amount of planning and effort that went into controlling an environment for three weeks yeah. and keeping it entertaining for the viewer, but not so outlandish that Ronald would clock that everyone else is an actor. It's unreal. It's it's a really, really interesting concept. And the last episode is especially interesting because it lifts the veil on that production. So it's it's a show that you can enjoy... I think like on the level that it's presenting, which is kind of like a straight comedy, but also just thinking about the production of it is very, very fun as well. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. They really found this gem of a human in <laughs> Ronald because anyone else could have just 
you know, gone berserk on the crazy people that he ends up sequestered with, but he just handles everything so well. And it ends up being a really, really funny, but also very sweet show. So it seems like a sweet version of the rehearsal. Yes. Yes. You know what? Yeah. And I guess like almost more impressive in a way because he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. He, this is, he thinks he's involved in a real trial. He thinks he's involved in real jury duty. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's making real friends. And <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? They they do it really well at the end in, I mean, this is not a spoiler, but they do eventually tell him yeah. that One this is, and it's not in a gotcha way. It's in a very sweet way. And they guide him through how everything was done. But it's just very funny because when he sort of turns back to his fellow jurors, like, there's a couple of them that he grew really close to. And he will he turns to one of them and he's like, Lonnie, not you too, man. And that's not even that guy's name. Like, I <laughs> a different name for three weeks. That's amazing. With a whole different personality. So really, really funny. James Marsden, brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, highly recommend that show. Have you watched anything fun? Yeah, I, I've seen a couple movies this month. Um, one I really enjoyed was Blackberry, which literally just came out i think we saw it on opening like pre-screening night it's i would describe it i think my letterbox review was um a good canadian movie or gcm um which it deep it is it's like a deeply canadian i if you didn't know um the movie is about blackberry and the phones um and blackberry actually is a canadian company or was what is it now who knows um and it was founded in Waterloo. Um, and the movie involves obviously Waterloo, Ontario is an interesting setting, um, a downfall caused by a love of hockey and Jay Baruchel, who we love. Um, he's amazing and he's great in this. He plays like the, one of the founders of Blackberry. It's directed by Matt Johnson, who um, is like, a semi-well-known Canadian director. He plays the other co-founder of Blackberry and he definitely provides the comedic timing of the movie and is so funny, so sweet. Um, and it's just wonderful. Would recommend it. It's a fun time at the movies. Um, it's a little like... the There was a couple things that I wish they had given the history of Blackberry, which they didn't. One is that Barack Obama used a BlackBerry long past the time that people weren't using them anymore. Okay, that's funny. And two, Kim Kardashian also used to use a BlackBerry, like, for a very long time, like, and she was embarrassed of it. Um, But instead, the movie ends with, like, them, like, essentially losing the smartphone battle to Apple. Um, But, yeah, would recommend Fun Time at the Movies love a Canadian like biopic thing always good that does sound fun I'll have to check that one out what about listening did you listen to anything fun this month I did um Mac DeMarco released a new album you might be thinking wait didn't he just do that he Mm -hmm. did um but he's released a new one I don't know if is it an album it's called One Wayne G um Mm -hmm. it has 199 songs 199 it is, it songs? Is eight hours and 43 minutes long. <laughs> and almost every song on the album is named after the day it was made. 
So what's an example? Um, like, like 2019, 2024, Oh, okay. Like, um, and it's just basically like a compilation of short demos and like bops that he's made over the years. Um, and it's fun. And it's just like a great, if you have an eight hour work day, there's your whole listening for the day. It's just like some fun bops. Truly, good for him for putting that out. I feel like so many artists must have stuff that just gets lost and discarded because it doesn't make it on an mm-hmm. album. So this is kind of cool. It's cool. And like it had a moment on TikTok, like music TikTok when it came out. Um, like back in 2019, he recorded an interview and he like played this like clip and he was like, it's trash, but it's fun trash. Um, and that is one of the songs on the album. And it's just like, it's a good time to, to hang out. And definitely a work album, which is good. We always need more of those. They are all they're they're good to have. It's nice to have that background listening. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of good times, I saw The Walkmen twice this week. Twice. Yes, they are one of my favorite bands ever. They are back after ten years, and I got to see their very first New York show in ten years um, on Monday night, and then on Wednesday. Uh, maybe four or five hours before the show, one of my friends texted me and asked if I wanted to go along with them to see them again. And I'm so glad I did because that may have even been a better show. It was amazing. Uh, They're playing around the US and Europe through the summer. And honestly, like I found the tickets pretty affordable compared to a lot of other acts out at the moment. So if they're in your area, I would highly recommend going to see them because it was a really, really fun time. Great energy. Welcome to politics. Uh, If you are a regular listener of Different Things Can Be Sad, um, you know that every once in a while I like to do a little election roundup of elections that have either happened or are happening around the world. Um, I find it's an interesting way to kind of poke our heads into politics in different places or closer to home um, and to give you like, oh, I didn't know that thing was happening. I'll pay attention to it more. and so I've selected three upcoming elections that I think are really interesting. And I'll have some like little drama behind them um, or big drama uh, as the case may be. The first election I wanted to chat about was the Turkish presidential election and the parliamentary election, which are happening at the same time. Um, the first election is on May 14th and then they have like a runoff system. So if no one gets over 50% for a president, then there'll be a second election on May 28th. But by the end of May, there will be a president elected in Turkey. Will it be a new one? Who knows? Um, Politico has called this 2023's most important election. And this is why I'm telling you about it. Because supposedly, I, I, could, I could agree. It's quite important. Um, I think we've talked about Turkey a couple times on this podcast, um, but a refresher. Erdogan is the president right now. He's been president since 2014. Before that, he was prime minister. And before that, he was mayor of Istanbul. Um, And over his time of being president, he's brought the country uh, much more conservative, um, much more religious. Turkey was founded as like deeply secular in nature. Um, and he has brought in much more um, 
Muslim and Islamic values into his governing. Um, and then maybe most importantly, it all depending on your uh, valuing of things, he's also made the country much more authoritarian. And that has involved like centralizing power around him and making it harder to challenge his authority um, and the decisions he makes. So what's exciting about this election and probably why Politico has called it the most important election of 2023 is that it looks like for the first time in a while he could actually lose, um, which would be kind of impressive. And there's a couple reasons for that. One is a reason we will see throughout all elections, I think for quite a while, is there's been a huge amount of post-COVID economic issues in Turkey. Um, people are leaving the country if they can um, because the cost of living crisis is so intense there. Um, and so that has made people lose confidence in the government. And then even more so than that, earlier this year, there was that horrible earthquake in Turkey um, and the government's handling of that like before and after um, has been questioned quite a bit and I think has also made people very dubious. So who could actually win? Um, and I'm going to butcher this man's name because um, I don't speak Turkish and I feel like this is one of the harder ones. I will promise you that I looked up like pronunciation guides as Jasmine has seen me do this as like go and be like, oh, let's make sure I got this right. And I think there's no way. Um, You're trying your best. I'm we appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, his name is Kamal Kilic Dragul. Um, we will call you him made Kamal. that sound easy. Well done. Thank you. Um, his nickname is the Turkish Gandhi. Um, and he is the leader of a six party opposition called National Alliance. Um, they're much more left of center um, than, or more center even, than Erdogan's party. Um, and they are looking to kind of scale back the centralization of power that Erdogan has made um, and are promising to like fully turn around the economy in two years. And I, I mean, that would be nice, um, <laughs> but they're looking and, and the other thing they're doing that is very on Erdogan is they are hoping to provide homes for 2 million Syrian refugees. Um, and Syrian, there's been quite a bit of Syrian refugees in Turkey and Erdogan wants them to leave and this party would like them to stay. Um, I guess one question is why, like, is this election so important for people outside of Turkey? Uh, a few reasons. Turkey, um, for one, is a member, wants to be a member of the EU and has wanted to be for a long time. Um, but has been in limbo because they have been less and less democratic and generally you cannot join the EU if you are not a democracy. Um, and so there's a thought that maybe they could join the EU if they didn't have a authoritarian in charge, which would be cool. Um, the other one for me, more for the rest of the world as well, um, has to do with NATO and the war in Ukraine. Um, so Turkey is in NATO, um, but has been, with the war in Ukraine, more countries have been wanting to join NATO, the North Atlantic, Retreat, uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Um, and countries have wanted to join to like shore up defense against Russia. 
and Turkey has been standing in opposition of that. So recently they just let Finland join um, and Sweden would also like to join NATO, but Turkey has is kind of wishy-washy about it under its current um, regime. Um, so maybe more countries could join NATO if they had a change in power. The other thing is Ukraine. So Turkey is like in a very weird in the middle position with this. Um, they've been sending the Ukrainians war, like weapons and like supplying them, but they've also not imposed sanctions on Russia. And then at the end of April, they were opening up a new nuclear facility, which was funded by the Russians, and they were going to invite Putin to come to the opening. Oh, I think um, that's ideal. I don't think he did in the end. Also, Erdogan has the stomach flu and could had to like step out of everything he was doing. Um, so couldn't like be very proudly opening a Russian nuclear facility. Um, so it's a little like iffy there about like where they stand under Erdogan, but maybe with this new, I think the idea is with the new president, um, they are much more pro Ukraine and pro Europe in general. Um, so maybe some of those tensions would be gone with the Western world. Um, then finally, it's an election which we love, but as Erdogan has moved towards authoritarianism, there's a real question about whether he will actually um, allow for an election to happen that he doesn't win in, um, and if he'll challenge the legitimacy of the results. And that is unclear, um, but will be some interesting thing to watch at the end of May if that actually if he allows for a transition of power, if he loses. Um, so that's Turkey. I would keep an eye out on that one because I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens um, and definitely have some impacts along the way. Yeah, we can definitely do an update on here or on our Instagram. at podcast. We'll keep you guys updated. We'll keep you all updated. Um, the next election I want to talk to you about is Alberta because it's messy. Um and messy is fun sometimes when it comes to elections. So if you're not Canadian, um, the best way to describe Alberta is the Texas of Canada. Um, it's very conservative. Most of their money is in oil. Um, and they really did not like COVID restrictions um, and other things too. But that's Alberta for you. Daniel Smith is currently the premier of Alberta. That's like the governor. And in a wonderful article um, by Politico, from Politico, they say she appears to be doing everything she can to lose next month's election. He um, does not want a job anymore. He does she not want a job. <laughs> Jobs are hard. Um, the, this election is going to be on May 29th. And Smith has been not even been leader for that long. She took over leadership of the United Conservative Party from Jason Kenney in fall of 2022. Um, and that was like a really intense, um, like internal leadership election where it really wasn't clear who was going to become leader. And Jason Kenney had done such a horrible job with COVID um, that he was stepping down. And she kind of gained she got power from the kind of more right, the farther right leaning parts of the party. 
um, because in part because of her opposition to COVID-19 policies um, and vaccine mandates. Um, and she is known for that, but she's also, I think, known for a slippery relationship with the truth. The truth, what is it? She doesn't know. Um, she, uh, and what's messy is this story and is one of the many things she has done. So not the only one, but one of my favorite things she has done okay. to really make it so she might not win the election. Um, to win the leadership race, she made many promises. One of these was that she promised a preacher um, that she would pardon him for his COVID-19 related convictions. So like there were restrictions against COVID-19 and he broke a bunch of them. And so therefore he was charged with some crimes. Was he like leading worship? Yeah, it was stuff like that. So it was like a large scale kind of thing rather than just... Okay, rather than just like he wasn't no, no, no. Was it was like he was fully defined doing organized the rules and like of all the provinces of Canada, Alberta had like the least strict rules. Um, and so this she promised she would give him a pardon. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Smith and for this pastor, uh, premiers don't have the ability to give people pardons. <laughs> She just thought that um, she could do that because that's what American governors can do, I guess. Um, So that's messiness number one of the story. Right. That's very embarrassing. That's That's embarrassing. embarrassing Um, Not not knowing how the political system that you run works is embarrassing. Yes. Um, Next one. Uh, she, the preach, she found this out and the preacher was very mad and they had a telephone conversation. Um, and in this conversation, she was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't give you this pardon, but whoopsie, but I have been every day calling the prosecutor's office to inquire about your case. And I'm going to try and help you. Um, this conversation was recorded. And uh, uh-huh. the two weeks later, the CBC released it to the public. Um, and in like literally explicitly, I've listened to the recording. She says, I have been calling the prosecutor's office on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, the CBC then says in their reporting, Daniel Smith was calling the prosecutor's office on behalf of this preacher. She then said, I wasn't doing, I didn't do that. And as she's suing the CBC. Hi, I'm baffled. Sorry, my silence is me trying to wrap my head around it. So they reported information that she explicitly said was in a recording, and now she's trying. Mm -hmm. Yes, and now she's trying to sue them because she's like, "I lied, and you spread my lies." The reasoning is unclear. I gotta say. Hmm. Um, okay. But what we do know is she's now under investigation from the Parliamentary Ethics Commissioner. Oh no! For this. for 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 interfering with a criminal case. For interfering with a criminal case. Yeah. Okay. Um. So like, basically, she's a hot mess, and this is not the first time she's like entered into a scandal like this. Um. And yeah, so she's staring down an election in a month. Meanwhile, Rachel Notley is the head of the NDP. 
which is a more left-leaning party and the biggest opposition. Um, and because of Danielle Smith's shenanigans, she actually has an opportunity to get power again. I say again, because unlike Texas, um, they've actually had a left-leaning party in power. Um, from 2015 to 2019, the NDP were in power because the conservatives were in several different parties and they split the vote. Oh. That's why Daniel Smith is uh, head of the United Conservative Party because they all came back together so that they could actually win. They all sound messy there. All the conservatives sound oh, messy there. It's not just a Danielle messy. thing. Yeah. Um, and really excitingly, polling is very close. Um which is, it's always nice to actually see competition in an election. Um, and really, it all comes down to Alberta's biggest city, Calgary, which is a city, so generally, like, leans a little left, but it's also a big oil city. And so it has, like, a more conservative bent because of that. Um, in a poll of Calgarians, uh, over half of respondents gave Danielle Smith an approval rating less than three. And that's Ooh. three out of ten. <laughs> Three out of ten. Ooh, okay. I thought yeah, it was five. Out of five. It still wasn't. <laughs> ten. It still wasn't good. Um, so it is possible that if the NDP gets Calgary, they could win. Though other polling says that if they get Calgary, they could get the Calgary and the popular vote and still lose um, because there isn't a proportional system in Alberta. Mm. Um, so that's one to look out for. It's also really cool to see two the heads of both the major parties be women. Um, Rachel Notley, when she was in power, faced a huge amount of incredibly sexist opposition. Um, and it's nice that, like, in some ways, at least that will not be the talking point. Um, yeah. It'll be about them as politicians and mm -hmm. as leaders. Um, so that is exciting. Or maybe they'll just, like, the discourse will be bad about both of them. Let's hope that's not the case. Um the last election I want to talk to you about is in the news this week. So I thought I would uh, give it a little shout out is the Argentinian election, which is happening in on October 22nd. And a bit later than the others. Yes, in a while. Um, but this week, the current president of Argentina, Alberto Fernandez, announced that he won't be seeking re-election. Mm. Um, he's been office in, in office since 2019. He's the leader of the central, the center left party. Um, and he's not seeking re-election because, as commentators have said, there's no way in hell he would win. Um, he is deeply unpopular. Currently, his approval rating is under 20%. And for good reason. Argentina is going through a really rough time economically. Inflation is over 100%. Oof. Um, and they're running out of actual dollars in their reserves. Um, poverty levels are almost 40%. Um, so it's really not a good time. And maybe because of this, uh, not only is Fernandez stepping down, but also the leader of the center-right party is stepping down as well, and he used to be president. Oh. Um, so no one wants to run. Um, but some people are. And uh, currently in the like lead and I think this would have been crazy to people like a year ago um is Javier Miali um who is a very controversial libertarian economist um why is he controversial uh he opposes abortion 
Um, and he is very much like in the culture war. So he likes to kind of poke fun and criticize feminists and women. Um, in 2020, uh, Argentina uh, changed their abortion laws and decriminalized abortion up to 14 weeks. And that was kind of the beginning or part of a wave of liberalizing abortion access in um, South America. So abortion is kind of a big talking point in this election. Mm -hmm. Um, His general policies are that he would like to cut taxes, deregulate the labor market and shutter government uh, ministries all with the goal of like shrinking the state and reducing public spending. Um, So he's like small government, but also no abortion. Um, He's very like controversial and that's kind of his thing. Um, We've seen politicians like that in other places in the world, but he is leading the polls. Oh, um, so I think that's an interesting one to work out, like look forward to, look as in looking in the future, not like excited, optimistically awaiting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, I think this is as we kind of see economies not do so hot, and something we're going to see a lot is new people stepping into power and what will those people look like? Um, Maybe in this case, not the greatest people, Um, but we will see. So that's in October. So a a potentially spooky October in Argentina. Yes, for more than Halloween reasons, (laughs) uh, much graver ones, but we will make sure to keep you updated on that either here on the Instagram or both. So for the pop culture segment of today's episode, I thought I would also do a roundup, but this time a romance roundup. Ooh. Yes. Uh, maybe people think of February as their most romantic month of the year, but I think the hot goss has truly come in April mm-hmm. and Maybe you completely missed some of the romantic updates I'm about to provide. Maybe some of them you just recognize from headlines and you want to know what was really going on. I am going to collate those all in one place for you. That is right here. So starting off with breakups. The biggie at first, Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn. Mm -hmm. If you've been living under a rock and you don't know, Taylor (laughs) Swift is... The 33-year-old mega pop star currently on her Eras tour that we mentioned in last month's episode. And Joe Alwyn is a 32-year-old British actor. In early April, celebrity gossip account Dumois shared reports from followers that Taylor and Joe had broken up after six years of dating. Now, since there's been approximately 1 billion false reports over the years that Taylor and Joe are engaged or having whatever other stage of a relationship you want to imagine, I think people have gone so far as to be like they're secretly married. People have speculated that the whole thing is a PR relationship. There has been a thousand rumors around this relationship. People didn't really take the breakup reports too seriously even dismissing the fact that Joe hadn't been seen at any Eras tour concerts as just another example of the couple keeping their relationship private, which they are very wanting to do. They don't really speak about their relationship in public and they're actually rarely seen together. They don't post pictures together. They keep it, they keep it hush hush. They keep it between themselves. But on April 8th, it was Easter weekend. 
People Magazine and Entertainment Tonight reported that the couple had ended their relationship. And those reports seem to be true. They have their, they're broken up. It's the truth. Why though? That is the million dollar question. Mm -hmm. Um, The official reports say that there was no bad blood. If you like my pun there, (laughs) Uh, that it was amicable. It just run its course, but people are speculating um, about something else. There have been some rumors that Joe initiated the breakup And now some people are concerned that Joe may have even cheated on Taylor. Um, A couple reasons. Number one, because his female co-star in a film that he's shooting shared a photo of him as part of a carousel post on Instagram recently, which is, in my opinion, absolutely ridiculous. Um, He can have female co-stars who share pictures of him amongst others he was not just a picture of him people were especially mad because on it he was on a scooter and people <laughs> thought that was some kind of dig at taylor swift and scooter brawn i that one that That's one was so reaching. funny that one was reaching but i think this whole thing was completely reaching there was nothing to suggest that was, this was anything but a platonic picture taken between co-stars but there has been a mass unfollowing. So in a very 2015-esque instant, uh, Taylor was seen in New York City hanging out with members of her girl gang. We've got Gigi Hadid, Blake Lively, the Heim sisters. And then all those people, plus Blake's husband, Ryan Reynolds, Taylor's brother, Austin, and Taylor herself have all unfollowed Joe on Mm -hmm. Instagram. And there's been some speculation there that maybe something a little more severe went down in the relationship than the official reports are letting on. You know, if you have just gone out to lunch with all your friends and then they come home from lunch and immediately follow your ex-boyfriend, was there some information shared that Mm -hmm. made uh, them very unhappy with him? You know, maybe... I have an alternative hypothesis. What if... Joe's just like not a very good friend and they were like well if you're not dating our friend I don't want to be friends with you anymore that's completely fair or and I think there's maybe two sort of camps of celebrity that I would say this confidently about uh Taylor Swift and the Kardashians anything involving them I do feel is carefully orchestrated there's a part of me that thinks this was intentional. There's there's some message we're supposed to be getting out of this. So I don't think this story is over. I think we're going to hear more about this. I think we'll get to the bottom of it eventually. In other things we got to get to the bottom of, I am moving on to the rumors section of the romance roundup. Mm-hmm. Rumors, not the Fleetwood Mac album. Um, namely, I'm going to be talking about the rumor that Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell are getting it on. Also because this nicely dovetails with the aforementioned breakups segment. Mm-hmm. So Sydney Sweeney is a 25-year-old actress best known for her roles in Euphoria and White Lotus. And Glenn Powell is a 34-year-old actor from Top Gun, Set It Up, the best romantic comedy of the modern era, <laughs> and Scream Queens, which I was very into back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Now, both of them have been in long-term relationships. Uh, Sydney is with restaurateur Jonathan DeVino. They started dating in 2018 and became engaged last year. And Glenn was with model Gigi Paris for three years. 
but the pair have been filming a rom-com called Anyone But You in Australia for the past few months, and they have sparked romance rumors. Mm -hmm. Now, unlike what I just mentioned with Joe Alwyn and his co-star, the images that have been shared of Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney have a little more juice to them. They've had amazing chemistry in interviews, which I kind of think shows they're just good actors. They're doing really good PR for a romantic comedy. But there was also this video that emerged of them. They know they're being filmed, but they're sitting on a couch and he's dipping her, you could say. She sort of falls backwards over his knee and he's kind of like catching her and she's wearing a quite revealing dress. Mm. People kind of thought that was a little intimate for just co-stars maybe. Again, could just be good PR for the movie. But then Gigi Paris unfollows Sydney Sweeney on Instagram um, after having made some interesting Instagram stories and captions over the past few weeks where she seemingly alluded to uh, knowing her intuition had clocked something and wanting more R-E-S-P-E-C-T from the Aretha Franklin song. Mm But this time she followed um, Sydney Sweeney on Instagram and then unfollowed Glenn and posted a video of herself walking down the street in New York with the caption, know your worth and on to the next. Damn. So Glenn and Gigi seemingly over and Sydney and her fiance seemingly still on. There's nothing to suggest they're broken up. So in my mind, I don't think this confirms that there was any cheating going on. Yeah. I do think there was an, there was enough of something that Gigi Paris was uncomfortable. Okay. Again, some speculation for you. Mm-hmm. What if this is like, like old Hollywood style, like the network and also not old Hollywood, the network being like, or the whatever being like, you should, Let's spark some rumors, like yeah. some PR. What if you just like allowed the flirting to continue? And then she wasn't, un- she didn't think they were cheating. She was just uncomfortable with the insinuation and them going along with the plan. That That's my opinion. Yes, that's what yeah. I mean. Is that I, I actually don't think there was, there's anything between them, or I hope there's not. But I think that whatever they have been asked to do or volunteered to do as part of promoting the movie that she is uncomfortable with. It's sort of a similar story to what we saw with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga when they were promoting A Star is Born and were very touchy-feely intimate in public and in performances and both of their relationships ended afterwards in that like maybe nothing was actually happening between them but this continuation of a story from a movie maybe just blurred some boundaries for the partners who were just not, uh, they they didn't sign on to this, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what I kind of think. I agree with you, my guy. I think maybe they're, they're doing this intentionally to stir up some buzz for the movie, but Gigi Paris is not on board with it. And I think that would be completely fair. Now, another rumor, and this one is very silly. So I want to talk about it. Um, Reese Witherspoon, the 47-year-old actress and big-time producer, was this month rumored to be dating Tom Brady, the 45-year-old, <laughs> finally retired NFL player. Mm-hmm. This did not seem to have anything to it, 
aside from the fact both of their marriages have ended quite recently. Uh, Tom Brady and model Giselle Bündchen announced the end of their 13-year marriage last October, and Reese announced the end of her 11-year marriage to talent agent Jim Toth in March. So then these very random rumors flew around that the two were dating, Mm -hmm. which I think would kind of be sick because they'd just be an insane power couple. I think they would just own entertainment. They would own like the the chokehold they would have on like middle-aged straight couples would be unparalleled. Like you would have a boomer mom sitting down for Big Little Lies season whatever and a glass of wine and boomer dad ready to watch Tom on Fox News doing commentary or whatever. And it would, oh, they would have a chokehold. But both of their reps officially denied this, claiming that the pair haven't even met before. (laughs) I find this interesting because not often do you actually have uh, people just denying rumors like this officially. They normally just let it like, you know, go on or not go on, but just like move past it. They're like, this is ridiculous. We're not even acknowledging this. But their reps officially denied it. And it's also interesting because I think given the number of bizarre celebrity couplings over the past few years, I've started believing where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Mm-hmm. Like when people thought, or when people first said that Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson were dating, it was very tempting to be like, this is ridiculous. I'm brushing this off. But it was true. And once more and more of these ended up happening, I just started being like, okay, if there's a, you know what? It does me no harm just to think that maybe this is a little bit true. And this is an example of that is not always the case. Um, can I add another rumor to your list? Yes, please. Um, this one is fully insane. This is why I mm-hmm. thought of it. Because there's absolutely no way these two people could have physically been in the same place together. Um, and the rumor is uh, Taylor Swift. If you say and, Harry Styles, because I want them to be together so much. No, it's not. It's Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso. The yes. F1 driver. Um, and I, like, he's been doing races. I guess he's been on a two week break. Um, but she like has been on tour. Like, when would they have been to like what what are you talking about? Um, I don't know, because I had to double check the thing about her being in New York as well, because I was like, wait, wasn't she just doing shows somewhere yeah. else in the country? She has that private jet that she is known That's to use. True. Uh, with reckless abandon, so um, it's not out of the picture. Um, that's true. It's kind of fun. Has denied the rumors. I think he also feels pretty good about himself because he's like much older than she is. He's in his forties, right? He's in his forties. He's very old for an F one driver, right? So um, he's thinking if people plausibly think I could be dating Taylor Swift, that's very good news for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. but probably good to deny it. I think especially what we've seen with Taylor Swift and the Joe Alwyn breakup. The fans can be a little intense about this. You know, that co-star of Joe Alwyn's I mentioned had to turn her comments off on her post because she was getting harassed by Swifties. So not all of them, but a lot have been very, very intense about this. So I think just staying out of it, if you're not involved, probably for the best. Mm -hmm. On to New Flames, which is my next uh, segment. And this is a crazy coupling that actually seems to have some veracity to Mm -hmm. it. Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet. So Kylie is the 25-year-old Kardashian sister, reality TV star, and Kylie Cosmetics mogul. And Timmy is the 27-year-old patron saint of the podcast who is also a Oscar-nominated actor. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Kylie has been in an on and off relationship with rapper Travis Scott, who she shares two children with for many years. But sources claim that the two split again last December. And then in January, Kylie and Timmy were seen talking at Paris Fashion Week before this month when Dumois, our good friend again, reported that they were dating. Now, the people thought this one was fully ridiculous because it does seem like they're two, they're from two different worlds, you know? Kylie has this very glam LA reality TV socialite world. Timmy's an NYC kid and is a star of a lot of these very serious award-winning movies. You know, what would they talk about? This is my question. Has he met her kids? He seems like a lot younger than she is actually because she is this like big time entrepreneur and like mom of two. And he kind of seems like he's just partying it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe reading some Tolstoy. That kind of seems like something he would do just to add a little flavor to it. But on April 13th, TMZ shared pictures of Kylie's Range Rover parked (laughs) in the driveway of Timmy's Beverly Hills home. People were kind of hoping the two might go to Coachella together, but that didn't happen. So now we just have to wait to see if the Kardashians get invited to the Met Gala and if Mm -hmm. Kylie and Timmy interact there. I think this one's very fun. I think this is, I don't really think these two are going to get married or anything. I think they're probably having a little bit of fun and I'm here for it because it's just bizarre. Yeah. Uh, Other relationships that seem to just be in their fledgling stages and a little bit of fun. Lily Reinhart and Jack Martin. Now, Lily Reinhart is a 26-year-old actress best known for her role as Betty in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And Jack Martin is a 24-year-old TikToker who I thought I had never heard of. And then when I saw him, I was like, oh, I think I saved something from him on Reels like two years ago. I'm surprised he's only 24. But mm. it is sort of a recurring motif in this story that everyone is much younger than I thought they were. I did not think Sydney Sweetie was only 25 either. Um, so Lily and Jack were seen having a little kiss outside LAX airport on April 10th. And this is interesting because Jack recently parodied Lily Reinhardt's ex-boyfriend, <laughs> Cole Sprouse. Amazing. Now, if you remember, Cole and Lily were in Riverdale together. They were Coast Guards. And they had this quite high-profile relationship that fans were very invested in before it ended in 2020. And Cole recently went on the Call Her Daddy podcast and talked about this relationship and a bunch of other things in a very obnoxious and pretentious way. I want to say that's just my subjective opinion, but I am struggling to think of anyone who could watch or listen to this interview and not think that. He had like his shirt unbuttoned. He was like smoking indoors. His hair was so greasy. Yeah, it was sort of like gel back effortlessly. Uh, As one Twitter user said, he was acting like he's Mark Twain or something. (laughs) He was just taking like unreasonably long drags of cigarettes before answering a question about like his ex-girlfriend or the sweet life of Zach and Cody. It was very, very silly. So Jack Martin then appeared on a Barstool Sports podcast where he played Cole Sprouse. He turned up with like four cigarettes in his mouth, one behind his ear, his shirt unbuttoned (laughs) all the way down and was just like totally taking the piss out of this guy. Very funny stuff. And then made out with his ex-girlfriend. So it was just a little funny story there. Next section, 
is round two. People who are giving it another go this April. We're going to kick it off with comedians Ali Wong and Bill Hader. Ali is 41, and she is also the star of the new Netflix show Beef. And Bill is 44 and the star of the new final season of Barry on HBO. Mm-hmm. Now, both have previously been in long-term relationships. Um, last year, Ali split from her husband of eight years, Justin Hakuda, who is a VP at GoodRx and she shares children with. And Bill was married to actress and director Maggie Carey from 2006 to 2018, who he shares kids with. Since then, he has dated actresses Anna Kendrick and Rachel Bilson. And then last fall, dated Ali Wong. But... Apparently, they quietly split in December and then got back together sometime this year. We know this because while promoting Barry, Bill mentioned his girlfriend multiple times. And then this month on Allie's 41st birthday, the pair went on a hike together and shared a little kiss and some arm around the shoulder moments. Mm -hmm. Very cute stuff there. One thing I do want to point out is that Bill Hader has been dating, like, the shortest women in Hollywood mm-hmm. recently. Like, Anna Kendrick, 5'2". Mm-hmm. Rachel Wilson, 5'2". Ali Wong, 5'0". So, yeah. I just want to say, like, Dak Shepard needs to watch his back because I think Kristen Bell could be of interest to Bill Hader. <laughs> I think Travis Barker should watch out because I think Kourtney Kardashian could be of interest to Bill Hader. Very, very interesting track record of dating exceptionally short people. Um, I was going to say speaking of short people, but I actually don't know what their heights are. So uh, speaking of people who are giving another go, Camila Cabello and Shawn Mendes. They are both singers. She's 26. He's 24. He is also Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Wait, he's Lyle Lyle Crocodile? He's Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I have no he's, idea. Yes, he is the singing voice of Lyle Lyle Crocodile in the 2022 well, movie. Lyle Lyle Crocodile is Canadian. Crazy. That's it. Oh, yes, we should mention um, Shawn Mendes, also Canadian. Yeah. Now, they had a very flirty friendship for many years. And then they released the sexy song Senorita together, if you remember mm-hmm. that one. And then they officially started dating on the 4th of July, 2019, (laughs) according to Sean himself. They quarantined together during the height of the pandemic. You might remember them taking many, many walks during that time when they were often papped with mugs of coffee in their hand and wearing some of the most rolled out of bed outfits and hairdos that I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Good for them. Anyway, they broke up in November 2021. And since then, people have thought that maybe he's been dating his 51-year-old chiropractor. That's because, bizarre. Sorry? It's bizarre. It is. Um, but they were see, they were photographed together a lot this year and even on a hike together when he was shirtless. So <laughs> people, people thought maybe. But then Sean and Camilla were filmed making out at Coachella this month. So we don't know if they're officially back on, just kind of like having a little Coachella makeout, but I kind of hope so because I think these two are cute. Yeah. Yeah. Now on to more cuteness. For my very last section, I'm going to be discussing wedding bells. These are people who have gotten either engaged or married or both this month because that is one of these couples. First up, we have Millie Bobby Brown and Jake Bon Jovi. 
Um, Millie is the 19-year-old actress best known for her starring role in Stranger Things. And Jake, I'm going to be honest, I didn't look up what he actually does, but I know he is the 20-year-old son of John Bon Jovi of Bon Jovi. Good for him. Yeah. Now, they started hanging out in 2021 when Millie was 17 and Jake was 18 and went official later that year. I remember, like, at the time, some people on the internet were super weird about this, like, saying that the age gap was inappropriate. But, like, he's literally 11 months older than her. Yeah. I think it was because she was under 18. But, like, have you never heard of someone in high school dating a slightly older person in the same year level as them? Like, this is not... I, I could go I could go on a whole thing about uh, people on TikTok wrongly applying quite serious terms to situations that don't require them, but I won't. All I'm going to just point out is if you've heard anything about him being like an older groomer, he's 11 months older than her. So <laughs> it's, it's not the case. Um, so this month, though, she shared a picture of him hugging her. While she looked absolutely ecstatic, wearing a diamond ring on her left hand with the caption, I've loved you three summers now, honey, I want them all, which is a lyric from Taylor Swift's Lover. So yeah, they're engaged. Again, people are kind of mad about this because of their age, but like, let them off. They're kids. Like, have have fun. Like, if you want to get engaged at 19, go for it. They might not get married for like five or six years. Like, and you wouldn't say anything if they were in their mid-20s getting engaged. Just let them go. They're having fun. I'm very happy for them. They seem very happy and cute. Mm-hmm. Other people I'm very happy for, Lucas Gage and Chris Appleton. Are you familiar with either of these names, Micah? I'm familiar with the names. I can't okay. picture their faces. Because I, when I found out this information, I ran to tell my boyfriend about this. And he was like, I have no idea who you're speaking <laughs> about. So if you're in the same boat, Lucas is a 27-year-old actor who, like Sidney Sweeney, is perhaps best known for his roles in Euphoria and White Lotus. He is also in You. And then Chris Appleton is a 39-year-old hairstylist whose most uh, notable client is Kim Kardashian, his close friend. Um, But he also has like a roster of very high-profile clients like J-Lo and Dua Lipa, people with objectively great hair. So he's very good at his job. Now, in February of this year, on the 20th, Chris shared a picture of him and Lucas riding an ATV together on Instagram. They were on like a little vacation and everyone was very excited about this new relationship. They made their red carpet debut at the Vanity Fair Young Hollywood party in March. And then it's reported that they became engaged in early April, which by my calculations is like six weeks after maybe they started dating. So very quick timeline there. And then on April 26th, so just mere days ago, they shared on Instagram that they got married in Vegas with Kim Kardashian as their officiant (laughs) and Shania Twain as a surprise musical guest. It's insane. I love it. I have to say I am so into this. They are both probably like two of the hottest people I've ever seen in my life. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's right that hot people that hot should end up together. It's like... Brian Gosling and Eva Mendes. Like when people are that hot, they must gravitate together. Yeah. So good for them. Last but certainly not least, I would like to touch on the wedding that absolutely everyone has been talking about this month, which is the wedding of Sophia Ritchie and Elliot Grange. I think people have been talking about it so much because uh, most people might not actually be familiar with either of these mm-hmm. names. And yet their wedding has absolutely dominated the internet. 
So Sophia is a 24-year-old, I guess you would say like a media personality, who is the daughter of Lionel Richie and uh, sister of Nicole Richie. Mm. And then Elliot is a 29-year-old record label owner who is also the son of the Universal Music Group chairman and CEO, Lucian Grange. Um, remember when we were having this Nepo baby conversation? Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, what if my dad has like the top job in music? And I just want a little I record label. Record label. Um, big, big, yeah. big family business energy there. Mm-hmm. Now, Sophia, you might remember was in a very high-profile three-year relationship with Kourtney Kardashian's ex, Scott Disick. She was only 19 at the time, and he was 16 years older than her, Mm -hmm. and of course had three, four kids with Kourtney. Um, And Scott is kind of known for dating very young socialites at the moment. Um, So Sophia was an early uh, girlfriend after his breakup with Kourtney, and I think honestly, because of that, I had sort of dismissed her as maybe being a little vapid. That's probably very judgy of me, Mm -hmm. but I kind of thought she was just like a vocal fry privileged party girl because that's kind of the vibe that Scott himself gives off. But over the course of learning about this relationship, I have, I've gained a different perspective So she started dating Elliot, who was just five years older than her, in 2021. And the pair had actually known each other for years because their fathers were collaborators. And they became engaged a year later. And then this month, um, after she converted to Judaism, they got married in the south of France in what truly looked like the most beautiful wedding. Sophia wore three custom Chanel dresses over the wedding weekend. So one for the rehearsal, one for the ceremony, and one for the after party. And she shared these with Vogue in these videos and photographs that I think are what me what made me fall in love with her, and maybe a lot of other people mm-hmm. as well. She wasn't she I, I'd never actually like seen her speak or like seen her on video before, but she was not anything like I had thought. She was just so mature and poised and kind she'd like first lady energy Mm -hmm. which i just would not expect um of someone who lived this quite like privileged beverly hills lifestyle and is so young but really comes across beautifully and the wedding itself was also beautiful it really appeared to nail this very hard to perfect vibe of luxury and aspiration that doesn't tip over into over the top or tacky and Mm -hmm. instead feels classy and fun like there was this iconic video of good charlotte performing lifestyles of the rich and the famous and (laughs) all the guests from uh benji and joel madden's wives uh nicole richie and cameron diaz to paris hilton dancing Sophia herself was on stage beside them, barefoot in Chanel, like screaming along to this song. They were just having a ball. And I think this is the wedding that is going on Pinterest. I think this (laughs) is going to shape a lot of the um, wedding aesthetics going forward. So that's my big romance roundup. I hope you're feeling very loved up after this. And I'm hoping that the rest of 2023 brings more good romance news for everyone.
Alrighty, that brings us to the end of another episode of Different Things Can Be Sad. Micah, what are you going to get up to before we bring our May episode out? Well, I'm definitely going to be reading Happy Place. Yeah! Um, hopefully outdoors in the sun. Should be fun. Um, uh, wow, mostly just reading things. I started rereading Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, because the movie oh, comes out this weekend. Of course. Um, and I'm so excited about it. So nice. lots of reading, lots of watching, apparently, um, and hopefully enjoying spring and sunshine. And yeah, it should be great. What about you? I'm going to London for, I think, about a week. Um, still figuring that part <laughs> of it out. But I'm excited to go there. I'm going to catch up with friends. I'm also hoping the weather is nice and spring-like there. But I don't have many plans. I'm hoping to just hang out there. I'll be starting my new job. And then might be, I might have done the trip before we record our next episode, but I'm going to go to Niagara Falls at the end of the month um, over Memorial Day weekend. So I'm excited for that. If you want to catch up with our adventures in real time, you can follow us on Instagram. My username is at Yasmin Lomax. I'm at Micah. And the podcast is at DTCBS podcast, where we'll be posting um, updates, memes, pictures, just, just general posts about the things we've discussed in today's episodes um, and other ones. So you can catch us there and we will catch you again in May. Bye. Bye. Bye.